You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Oh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you're, I know a lot of my listeners are in Texas where I am, but I hope the ones that are not in Texas are not going through what we're going through. I just checked the thermometer out on my front porch, which is in the shade, and it's 104 in the shade right now, so we're having problems with internet and all kinds of stuff today. But I have a great show scheduled for today, and I think you're going to enjoy hearing from somebody who is an expert in several fields. John Trudell is a novelist, and he's a blogger, and he's a friend of mine, and he's been on the show before, and he uh, has written several novels, and they are all outstanding. The latest is Raven's Redemption, and you can find it on Amazon, and I assume other major book sites, and uh, I highly suggest that you order it if you like a thriller, and this is a a cyber-type thriller. Uh, It talks about uh, the Iranian deal and, and implications, possible implications, and this sort of thing. And John is, is just an outstanding writer. He's also keeping up with a lot of what's going on in, in Bern, uh, Oregon. And I don't know how familiar you are with that. We talked about it before on the show with John. But, uh, John, first of all, before we go into the situation in Oregon, uh, tell people how they can order the books directly through you if they want to. Uh, correct. Yeah. Uh, basically, where you can get the books, probably the easiest place is just buy them off of Amazon. But any bookstore in the world can get them for you. Uh, most of the bookstores don't stock indie authors, but any bookstore can get them. Amazon is a good deal. And, um, yeah, uh, and <clears throat> basically, uh, I have a website, www. John Trudell with one L, J O H N T R U D E L dot com, and that will take you to all the different places to order. Uh, there are also many reviews and interviews like the one we're doing now, and uh, finally, I put up the first chapters for free of all my novels because it's probably best to read it before you look at it, you know, before you buy the book. Um, and <clears throat> so that's the logistics of books. Uh, right now, my primary distribution is through Amazon and anybody who loves them. Um, the book industry is funny. So my, my current issue, deep, tedious details about books, we're working real hard to get the books, all my books. I have five novels, Raven's Redemption, uh, which was the sequel to Raven's Run. Uh, before that, we, and both of those featured Iran terrorists with Iranian nuclear weapons, which, of course, uh, when the books came out, it started to happen. In fact, it's happening today. At midnight last night, we shipped off $400 million or $400 billion, some incredible amount of money um, <laughs> in hard currency to Iran, and that wasn't a deal for hostages. So it's just been bizarre to watch that unfold. But the Raven series is tracking that. Uh, before that, I had a book called Soft Target, which was about bioweapons. Uh, that's very popular these days. Now we have walking bioweapons coming across our uh, borders. And uh, the one before that was called Privacy Wars. Uh, can you say emails and all that kind of stuff that have been hacked? Um, and Privacy Wars won me... Uh, 
three national awards and an IRS audit, which we don't talk about. <laughs> but it got a lot of attention. It came out uh, when Snowden was running for his life and stuck in the Moscow airport. And the one before that was God's House. So those are my novels. Uh, my current issues are we're, uh, we've gotten enough traction now. All the books have won awards. So we're going to be putting them in other distribution channels. I'm in the process of doing a deal with another publisher on Amazon because some bookstores, the bookstores on Amazon have a real hostility relationship. So I'm going to get a hardcover book out, and we're also working on uh, audiobooks. And uh, so that's the saga of novels. Uh, in my case, how I am known is I write these things, and they keep turning real. Uh, and that has some strange things. You are in a world of political correctness. Uh, I feel like, remember the little kid, uh, Michael, and in, 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 uh, I don't know, grammar school kid, six, seven years old. He went to school and he ate a pop tart in the shape of a gun, and they expelled him. Do you recall that incident? Oh, very much so. <laughs> well, that happens with books, too. I've had people say, oh, you can't advertise your books. It's got a scary gun on the cover. I go, my God. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, we still have a First Amendment, but it's weird. And uh, George, I, I'm using the George Carlin quote now. He said, political correctness is fascism pretending to be manners. Uh, so that's what Carlin said. Right now I'm just broadening my distribution channels, and um, which is kind of what's keeping me busy. Uh, the uh, Redemption or the Raven series has gotten wonderful reviews. One just came out a couple of days ago, and uh, the links to all those are up on the website. So check them out, and people are saying very kind things, and uh, they're five star. You know, four. Four and a half to five stars. Some of them are solid five stars on Amazon. So all that's going pretty well. Uh, like I said to my listening audience, everybody needs to read your books because I've read them and, and they are fantastic. They're, they're the type that you just you pick up and you don't want to stop. And you may go all night reading them. But, but that's the way they are. And uh, I've enjoyed reading all John's books. Hope you read, read some more. Tell, tell us about how to reach your blog, though. You have a good blog out there, too. Yeah, my factual stuff, uh, the the author's site is just uh, com, and uh, the... And that's, that's about my novels and the reviews. Uh, I also have authors' pages all over the world on Amazon, so you can just look for my name, and they're, they're there in the major countries, and certainly the U.S. Uh, the blog is blog.johntrudell.com. And, um, yeah, and I want to compliment Michael. I've, I've just read his most recent book and reviewed it, and it is absolutely wonderful. I think I'm very... The weird thing now about being a novelist, I feel like we're some of the Russian uh, authors back in the in the bad old era. You write these books, and there's more reality in fiction these days than there is in the news. Only uh, something like 6% of people trust the news media, and only like 4% trust Congress. Well, a good thriller novel has to be an image of reality, and... Um, 
my books tend to be, and the one Michael just did, is also a scary image of uh, reality. It's called uh, The Rag, and uh, check it out. It's just out. Yeah, it's, it's out right now. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's available uh, as both a hard cover and a paperback. And it'll be going out before long as an ebook on both sites. And I appreciate your review, John. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the book. And I've had some other really good reviews on it uh, uh, by members of the media. And, you know, people that are, are reading it are, are going, wait, whoa, this is happening right now. You know, <laughs> That's what I know. That, isn't that spooky? <laughs> yeah, really. It, it's, it's almost scary. And I started, you know, I, I started this thing about... A year ago, I got the concept in my head, but I was so busy with all the stuff with the United States Justice Foundation and doing all the briefs we were doing and making all the speeches I was making all over the country that I really didn't start work on it until about six months later. And that's when it all started to come together. And I started looking at what's been happening in the country, uh, not just through the Obama administration, but even prior to that, and what could potentially happen in the country. And... That's when it all started falling together, and so that, that's how the book came out. But let's move on now to the situation in Oregon and the Burns disaster, as you described it. Uh, go into a little background here about, about exactly how, how this came about. For people who don't, want, don't know, this involves uh, a father and son ranchers out there who were arrested by the federal government, charged with basically terrorism, Everything generated from there. It ended up with the death of another rancher, and so give us some background on that, John. Yeah, I will do that. And uh, the last time we talked about this, I, you know, new information has come in, and I think the best way to frame it is how did all that Burns Burns Oregon is is where the current drama is unfolding. Well, it's actually unfolding in courtrooms now in a variety of places. But there's a little tiny remote town in east, central eastern Oregon called Burns in Harney County, which has always been the poorest county in Oregon. It's a really desolate place. All right. So what happened um, late last year? Well, first off, what's going on? What drove it all? Uh, this is, uh, see the movie Hillary's America, which I highly recommend. It's out as a book as well. But they talk about corruption and how uh, the Clinton Foundation's Uranium One deal and everything else. And that's, you know, major news, and uh, it's a huge thing. And uh, Denise D'Souza, I think, explained how it is. Uh, Obama's kind of about ideology, and the Clintons seem to be about money. And just a lot of money is involved. And essentially what happened is is they sold a good fraction of the uranium in America uh, to a foreign company, and it's all approved by the State Department. And so that's called Uranium One. That's the company. It's just since changed its name. There's now a more friendly green sort of name, Oregon Energy or something. But they're wanting to develop, uh, turns out, under the ground on these ranches in Harney County, uh, there's a lot of uranium. And, um, okay, so the feds would like to take possession of the ranch. And before there were the Bundys, there were the Hammonds, an old rancher family, two father-son, couple grandsons, been there forever, pillars of the community. And 
Lord help them, many, many, many years. This is the beginning, before the, the Burns thing even happened. But this is what was going on in Burns while there were other things going on in Nevada with the Bundys. So... <clears throat> The government would like this ranch. Well, they have to they find something that the Hammonds have done wrong. Well, what they did wrong, allegedly, was very normal practice and is still normal practice. Uh, if you look at uh, wildfires and things in, uh, in the West, uh, our land management policies are a little bit bizarre. Uh, there have been... Um, 70 million acres burned in the last 10 years uh, because they don't cut underbrush. And in fact, if a fire starts, the feds tend, they tend to not interfere because they want nature to take its course and everything. And then these things get very large, and away you go. So what had, what what was best practice um, was normal practice, and it was even bureau land management best practice if you're subjected to a wildfire to protect your property, you could set a backfire. And these people, the Hammonds, years ago, years and years and years ago, set two backfires. Okay, Okay, John, we need to take a break now, so hold that thought. We'll be back in just a minute. All right. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We're here today with a good friend of mine, John Trudell, who is a, an excellent novelist who's got a number of books out that I have read, and he talked about them a little earlier, and I encourage you to, to buy his books and read them. But now, right now, we're talking about the, what he describes as Burns disaster in Burns, Oregon. And John, you were talking about the uh, federal policy and the, the policy that's 
have been best practice for years because I can remember being involved in doing this in situations like at a Boy Scout camp uh, where we had to, to do a set of backfire to stop from losing the camp. So you were talking about the Hammonds, the ranchers doing this. Go ahead and pick up on that thought. Okay, so you have a, a rancher family who's been there for a long time in Burns, Oregon. And many, many years ago, um, they set two backfires at, at different times. And uh, one of them got out of control. Things got burned. And, um, and by the way, they had permission to do that. They had called the government, and they said, we got a fire coming, we need to set a backfire, and they got verbal okays on it. Started the fires on their own ranch. So anyway, they had these fires. Uh, and okay, so the things shift over time and they get more and more um, green oriented and fires are bad and ranchers aren't supposed to do things. And they keep beating them up about this fire that, that uh, one of the kids set. Okay. Uh, actually, it was two, two small fires. And uh, finally, they get a judge who, a federal judge who seemed to be fairly reasonable. And he says, man, he says, I'm getting a lot of pressure to do something on this. Um, and um, the feds are involved and everything else. And we have all these charges against you. They had a long list of charges. And the judge made him a deal. And he says, look, all these other charges are, are kind of bogus. And uh, you, you had no intent to harm anybody. So how about I make you a deal? And um, if you will plead guilty to setting up two fires, which you've already admitted to, so you're going to plead guilty to arson, arson. you get a three-month sentence and, and a probation. And this has gone on for 10 years, and this would end it. Uh, the only thing is you have to agree that you won't appeal this after I make this ruling. And the, and the uh, Hammonds, of course, uh, the judge, I think, was well-intentioned. Uh, says, okay, look, we just want this to end. It's gone on year after year after year, so fine. Uh, we will plead guilty. And they pled guilty, and they got three months plus probation for the dad and so many days for the son. And they got three months of really nasty, hard time in SeaTac at a federal detention center with no yard, and the windows are painted black so you can see sunlight. They served their term. And they're going to be released, like in December. They're, they're getting out. And this has gotten a lot of notoriety because other ranchers are upset. And so they're going to release them. Well, about the time they're releasing them, uh, the Obama administration says, no, 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 no. They are being tried under the Effective Death Penalty Act of 1966, AEDPA for maliciously setting fires, okay? And this is has a mandatory sentence of five years. This is a terrorism law. It's an anti-terrorism law. The AE is Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act. So they're, they're being released, and all these other ranchers, particularly the uh, Bundys who went through their own adventure in 2014, I guess it was, go, oh, this is terrible. We have to help these guys. So folks came from all over the country um, to this little tiny town in the middle of nowhere, and they were going to meet with the Hammonds and try to give them some advice because they had been through it. And and basically the the Bundys had a friendly sheriff. In in theory, the sheriff and the locals controlled the law, not the federals. And so they were coming in just to talk to the Hammonds 
and give them some advice because this isn't the kind of situation a rancher normally runs into. And so people come to this little town, middle of nowhere, dead of winter, horrible weather, and they never get to see the Hammonds because the Hammonds are never released and then they're shipped away and incarcerated down in California. And so you have all these people there protesting, and they get vocal about it, and it starts getting attention. And uh, where do you stay in a little town like that? Well, there's an empty <clears throat> refuge. It's it's unlocked, and it's uh, <laughs> keys hanging on the door. And it's a wildlife refuge that nobody's going to use in the middle of winter storms. So they camped out there, okay? And that turned into what is now called the occupation, okay? Uh, it wasn't an occupation like the Germans taking Paris or something. It was the fact that they were there and they sheltered from the storm. And uh, now there's stuff in all the local papers about how uh, scary it was to have these ranchers there who had never harmed anybody. It was like a dozen or 18 ranchers from other places, mainly the two Bundy sons and a rancher from uh, Arizona named Finnegan. So this goes on and on and on. There's more and more attention. And as January rolls along, and by the way, we were in Oregon there. I was stuck working on one of my books, and, and I got some phone calls about this and started tracking it. Well, I thought it was going to settle down okay. I thought, well, people were they were getting ready to leave. Some of them did leave. Militias came in from other areas, and they said, no, it's all kind of settled down now. The Hammonds aren't even here. But we want to meet with some of the other locals. And particularly, they wanted to go to the next town over, John Day, where the citizens wanted to meet with them. They were kind of concerned about what was going on. And they wanted to meet with the sheriff. And I reported that in your last interview you did with me. I have to make one minor correction. So they said, no, we have a meeting. There's this big meeting set over in John Day. And we're going to go to our meeting, and then we're going to leave. All right. So off they go, and uh, you know they, they had most of the town there. Now, I have to be very careful because the next sheriff over is Sheriff Palmer, and he's been in trouble himself now for, for meeting with these terrorists, so I have to be very careful. They were all going to meet with him. However, the meeting was not set up by him. It was set up by a local, and that, that turns to, out to be a, an interesting legal point, I guess. So they're all going to this meeting. Well, long story short, they never got there. Uh, <clears throat> they were uh, intercepted and chased into what is called a dead man's roadblock around a blind curve, and uh, there you have a roadblock. Okay, And who was chasing him was not law enforcement. There were paramilitaries there um, who were well-armed, uh, and uh, they had little stickers on their on their bulletproof vests on their on their armor that said police be ask them who they were you know so show me some id they never would so who those people were and who they were working for is kind of interesting but they weren't law enforcement so they're all, so here you have the ranchers two trucks full of them going to the next town over to meet with the mayor and with the people of the next town and they get stopped by these uh, whoever they were these contract uh, gunnies and um, the guy driving the truck, Fennekin, who was kind of their leader, says, I'm not going to stop. We're going to this meeting, and, and, you know, we're invited to the meeting, and we're going. And if 
uh, you know, go ahead and shoot me if you don't want us to go. We're going to the meeting. Well, anyway, they ran him into the roadblock, and they did shoot him. And and only two people for many many for many many weeks. There was a total close on any information getting out of Burns. Everybody involved or close to it was arrested, except for um, two women who happened to be in the truck. One was a young girl, barely 18. She was a singer. She was going to this meeting. Uh, she was the youngest of a family who went around to groups and sung gospel and patriotic songs. She missed the ride with her family. Can you take me over there? So she's in the truck. And another woman called, uh, she was uh, Victoria Sharp, and another woman, Shauna Cox, uh, older woman, 50, 60 years old, uh, they, she worked the video camera. They couldn't find anybody to work the camera. She knew how to work it. She got in the truck. Okay, well, so there they are. The roadblock, the, the, the truck is riddled with bullets. They were shooting at the truck for some time. Fennekin got, gets out, holds his hands up, and that's the weird thing about this, because now that is legally a closed event. Uh, the FBI took a very low-quality video. They showed it. To me, it's very hard. They say he was reaching for a gun. Well, there's a lot of issues about that. Uh, in any case, uh, they ruled that it was a righteous shoot, and Finnegan is dead. And everybody else was arrested except, and, and is still there in jail, except for the young girl, the singer, who was released, and she was terrified. She gave one interview, went into hiding. And there's Shauna Cox, the lady with the camera. And by the way, while the tr truck is being shot up, the women are on the floor of the back seat screaming and holding up their cameras trying to film this. And so that record was captured. They were both just terrified. Shauna Cox was released that night then called back and charged with something, and for a while they had a gag order on her. So there's just weird things going on. So that's the Finnegan shooting. But what I'll cut to right now, and that will never be resolved, the, 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 uh, the legal requirement is all of the information has to be released. The Oregon State Police allegedly did the shooting and their own the law and their own procedures say everything has to be released if it's a if it's a lethal force incident and uh, video cameras and you know recordings and inter and all the comm tapes and planning meetings and this was obviously a planned thing pre-planned because they had snipers up in trees and they prepared a roadblock and everything else and so i thought all that evidence would be re it hasn't been released okay uh, the FBI was there allegedly as observers. They so testified. They said, we didn't fire a shot. Uh, the, the state police did all the shooting. Well, then it turned out they had fired shots because they found uh, some of the bullets in the truck that the FBI had used. And in addition to that, they had gone around and uh, picked up the brass, the shell casings, at the crime scene. Tampering with a crime scene is a crime. Well, they did that. They lied about it. And um, so they're being investigated. None of that information has been released. So there, there's the incident everybody wants to talk about, and I don't think it can be resolved till you get the rest of the information. But uh, cut to the end. Now, the other thing is a few people... Um, 
as since this has happened, more and more people have been arrested. There are probably about 50 political prisoners uh, whose crimes were either being at the uh, so-called occupation in Burns in January or being at the uh, <clears throat> Bundy Ranch two years prior. Okay, One of those political prisoners happens to be uh, Trump's campaign manager from New Hampshire, which is really weird because he did go to the Bundy Ranch two years ago, and he was interested in helping the people, but he didn't even get there until a week after the incident was all over with. So he stayed okay, there and he helped Let's take our second break now, John. Okay. Thank you. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. We're talking to John Trudell today, a good friend of mine and, and novelist who has uh, written some real, real thrillers. And it's scary because what he wrote about starting a few years ago, is, is starting to come true. And he's basically become a prophet as much as a novelist. Uh, so I recommend that you read his books, and uh, before the end of the show, I'll get him to talk about them again. But right now we're talking about the Burns, Oregon situation. And, John, you were uh, discussing the fact that a lot of people had been arrested here, and that included Trump's New Hampshire campaign manager, go ahead and finish that up. Right. The people who are being arrested are all being arrested by the FBI. So they are being arrested under federal crimes, apparently. Okay. And um, who were these other people who had stickers on their on their uh, armored gear? 
um, they were contract employees, and they came in in black SUVs with California plates, is what the locals all say. And they said they were there to help police, uh, but they were very distinctive. They were different than the sheriff's people. They were different than the Oregon State people, and they were different than uh, the FBI. They all brought their own equipment. Okay, so they were they were independent, uh, and all they would say is, "We're here to support." Uh, law enforcement, and others have said, uh, well, they're there to support the FBI. I had no idea who they were working for, but they were, they were serious, hardcore guys. But the arrests have all been on federal charges, and um, what the federal charges seem to be, um, Lynch came to uh, Portland and said, now we have to do something to arrest these people. We're going to look at intent. So the charges, uh, which have yet to be heard, seem to be intent to uh, interfere with federal officers, or something like that. And the you know the ranchers never fired a shot at anybody. Uh, they were allegedly interfering by being there at the refuge, and yes, they did cut a fence and things like that. So all that has to shake out in court. And those trials are supposed to start happening on uh, September the 7th. And the lawyers for the ranchers, those of them who have lawyers, have been asking for a delay of that trial because they say, look, um, we want all this other evidence released. We want to know who did what. We want to know what the FBI did, who gave orders, and all that kind of thing. And the judge has said, no, no, no. We're just—you were there, and you shouldn't have been there, and you had guns, and you were on federal land, and Second Amendment doesn't work on federal land, and we're going to have the trial. So, as of yesterday, there's an emergency motion in front of the Ninth Circuit Court to delay the trial. I don't know the details of that. Um, so, probably we're going to run out of time unless I cut to the end here. There's two two reporters who have been arrested since then on totally unrelated charges. That's a very interesting story. Uh, The link on my blog uh, about Burns, Oregon, tells those stories. Uh, They're they're very strange. Uh, But we have two reporters separately arrested on federal charges, had nothing to do with Burns, but very serious federal crimes, and they're all being held incommunicado. So what I think is of interest to the country at large is three points. Point number one is here we are basically convicting political opponents, ranchers, reporters, and women with cameras who've never harmed anybody uh, for exercising their First and Second Amendment rights. They're being, uh, you know, prosecuted as terrorists based on presumed intent, not anything they did, but what they may have intended to do. Okay, so that's point one. Point two has gotten some attention because essentially what's going on with these federal bureaucracies, Bureau of Land Management in this case, but also others, uh, you know, the the anti-pollution people, all the federal bureaucracies, uh, Trump and Cruz both spoke to this. And what Trump said, what you effectively have is we have Obama with his pen making laws, well, the bureaucracies are all doing that, too. So they'll make a rule, and it has the weight of law. 
so Trump called it legislate. It's not that it goes beyond taxation without representation. It's legislation without representation. It totally bypasses Congress and anybody who's been elected. So that's point two, and that's going to come up in this trial, these trials. And then the third thing is now the court here in Oregon has stipulated before the trial even starts that they want a stipulation, a non-negotiable, that workers for federal bureaucracies, any worker for a federal bureaucracy, the guy delivering your mail or whatever, is not an employee. He's an officer of the government, and apparently that makes a difference under the law. So the bureaucracies now are going to be given the power to use force and be armed and everything else, and a lot of them have already weaponed up. But that's why the precedents that will be set in this little obscure case from Oregon have a pretty significant national impact. Uh, and by the way, this is going on on a larger scale in Nevada, uh, but it's being resisted more down there. Larry Kleiman, a pretty famous attorney who for, uh, founded Judicial Watch and Freedom Watch and everything else, he's the guy who actually started the Clinton impeachment, um, is heavily involved in that. And they're going through the same kind of stuff down there, except all the trials have been delayed. And there it isn't Clinton behind it with her Russian uranium deal. It's Harry Reid with some deal with the Chinese. And uh, and they've been you know, running, climbing around the block for months around the barn. And he now has a lawsuit, a personal suit against Harry Reid, his son, uh, and uh, the judge down in Nevada for all kinds of stuff, a $50 million suit, just to get their attention. So this is going on intensively because of these two big corruption things, Harry Reid and also uh, Hillary and the uranium thing. But, but it's a bigger policy. There's some poor soul in Montana who is a 77-year-old disabled Navy veteran and he is now going to jail for 18 months, and uh, you know he's he's already incarcerated. Uh, he you know he didn't get his meds, and his heart failed, and they had they moved him to another. So he's in a different town now from where his public defender was. Doesn't have his uh, service dog. I, I doubt he'll survive. But he is arrested, and he's been sentenced to 18 months in federal prison for the crime of digging a cattle pond, uh, a stock pond on his ranch, or maybe it was two ponds. That's all he did, and he's uh, been arrested for that. And the public defender is like, I just can't handle this, and people are trying to find the guy to file an appeal, but if it isn't filed this week, he rolls in for an 18-month sentence. So this is a very strange thing to be happening in America. It has nothing to do with my books. I got dragged into it because I have sources who kept feeding me things. And that's the story on Burns. It's the story on what's happened uh, at the Bundy Ranch. And um, it's a major federal kind of thing. In fact, um, where are we here? 700 million acres of land have now, in 12 western states, have been taken over by the federal government under dubious circumstances. This refuge that was allegedly occupied and is allegedly federal land in Burns, uh, there's no but bill of sale for it. They just said it's our land. It's you know it's the feds own it. 
And so that's where we are with that, and it's not the sort of thing I ever want to put in a novel, but it is real world, and it's scary stuff. It very, very much is. Uh, there was something about some nurses who were, were uh, involved in this and found dead. Just recently, yes. Um, they, they're, the, Burns is a tiny, tiny little town. There's one hospital there, and uh, what two sources reported to me, and, and there were local newspaper reports, since January, three nurses have turned up dead. Uh, you know, they're all um, know, 30 years old, in their 30s maybe. Um, one of them uh, was allegedly a suicide. One of them was a mysterious uh, death with bloody foam in her mouth. I don't know how that's been ruled. And one of them was shot. And they were all at that hospital when, the, when Finnegan's body was brought in. Now, there's controversy about who shot Finnegan and how many times he was shot. The uh, FBI depiction of the little video, and the weird thing is this is about a video. Okay, they were all convicted, or the the shooting was justified based on this very low-quality video. Uh, and they say, well, there were, he was shot three times and he was reaching for a gun that you never saw. Uh, so there's issues about that. So three shots say the FBI, and they have a little diagram of that. The family autopsy, which has not been released, says nine times, including in the face. Uh, that's hearsay, but they allegedly did their own uh, autopsy. And now three nurses who were at the hospital when that body was brought in have died. So I don't know. And the, you talked about the a couple of reporters have been arrested, though. One of them, I think, is a radio talk show host, didn't it? Uh, there are three of them that are talk show hosts. One of them was swept up in the initial thing, and he's the most famous one. And he is um, just in there with the rest of the charges. There's two of them that have been brought in on charges since all this happened. And one of them is a totally bizarre case. Um I forget that Pete Sinelli. Pete Sinelli is one. He's pretty well known, and he's been incarcerated ever since uh, the uh, the Burns incident went down. So he's just swept in with a bunch of them. But there were two of them who were not arrested. They happened to not be there or whatever. And the weirdest of those is a fellow named Mike Emery. Mike Emery uh, had a blog, and a, he, he did uh, something that was followed out of Idaho, and he came to watch and report. And he was just sort of a handyman, so he fixed things, okay? And so he, uh, and he also was a gunsmith, okay? He was, he was very handy, and he kind of worked, and, and he, he did jobs like that. And uh, by gosh, they had, the feds had an informer, which isn't too surprising, uh, at the uh, Burns uh, Refuge, who went by the name of Doc. Uh, his right. real name apparently is Doc Odell. Okay, uh, John, let's take, let's take our final break. We'll pick up okay. on that when we come back. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. 
USJF, a non-profit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. The United States Justice Foundation since 1979 has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. You're listening to America's Webradio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in again today, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're enjoying the show. I'm certainly uh, learning a lot from John Trudeau, who's my guest, a very uh, prominent novelist, uh, a good writer. I recommend all of his books highly. Raven's Redemption. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon and uh you can go to his website and read the first chapter of each book and look at the reviews and this sort of thing. But we're talking right now about the situation in Burns, Oregon. And you mentioned Pete Santilli, uh, the host. I've actually been on his show three times. Yeah, he is apparently, uh, he's just dropped off the radar. And I asked where he was. Uh, he is incarcerated with the first batch they picked up, and they're being held in solitary confinement. And I haven't—I don't know what his status is now. Uh, the other person I knew about that I was trying to track was the fellow who was Trump's campaign manager in New Hampshire, and I heard that he was out on bail because Trump was trying to bail him out. Well, he's not out on bail, so they are all in prison somewhere probably in solitary confinement. Uh, in the case of Centelli, I think he was at the Bundy Ranch. A lot of them are in Nevada. So they've scattered these people around. Um, the reporter uh, that we were starting to speak about, so I don't know any more about Centelli. He is one of them for sure. And um, it's just gone dark. Don't know anything. But there were two that were not arrested in the original wave of arrests. And the weirdest of those cases is a fellow named Mike Emery, who was sort of a handyman. And so they had a confidential informant, apparently working for the FBI, in the refuge 
and uh, he was there to set up people. He went by the name of Doc, and it turns out, as far as we can tell, his real name is Mark, M-A-R-C-S O'Dell. Uh, he has a long, colored history of impersonating uh, special ops people and SEALs and things like that, but he's never been in the service. And so he approaches Emery, who's a gunsmith, and says, oh, yeah, you're going to, yeah, I do, I do, I do custom work and blah, blah, blah. And Emery's trying to sell his truck. So he makes a pitch to Emery, well, I have a customer that if you would make this gun, I I can get your truck sold for a real good price and everything. Well, it's all set up. And he shows, apparently, you know, they would show me this thing. And he had restored a 50 caliber uh, machine gun for uh, an arms dealer in uh, Idaho, I guess it was. Okay, so all this ends, and nothing has happened, and Emery is moved over to the next... Are you still there? My phone is breaking up. John, you're still on. Go ahead. Well, it may be that we've lost everybody. Okay, who came back on? I don't know what happened there. All of a sudden, it just clicked off on me. Uh, and John left as well for some reason. I don't know what's... Oh, really? Yeah, he asked. Uh, he thought his phone was cutting out on him, and uh, hopefully he'll uh, call back in. Uh, well, that's it, it's getting bizarre, because I don't know if you've noticed, but this happens about the same time every, every Wednesday during the show. It happens... But almost identical. It's always in the fourth segment, the final segment, and all of a sudden it just cuts out. So, I mean, we've been banned from federal computers. You know, I'm uh, in a situation where the Army's uh, Cyber Security Agency bans my emails going to any member of the United States Army to their military email address. I'm I'm here. Okay. Oh, hey, John. John's back. Okay, good. Do we have any more? I'm sorry, it just went dead, so I called back in. And do you want me to finish the story about uh, Emery? Yeah, please do, because I went dead too. So we we're we were just discussing uh, whether or not there's drones flying over my head or whatever. <laughs> but but go ahead, go ahead, and continue with your story. Okay, so anyway, the, the the guys at the refuge, all these ranchers and things, are infiltrated by a confidential informant. Uh, and apparently what they do is they make deals with these people. They'll drop charges, and, and you just help us out. And he's setting uh, Emery up about a weapons deal. And, you know, can you, uh, yeah, I restore guns and all this sort of thing. And uh, Emery has moved over to the next county after everything went really bad in Burns. The next county over has a Sheriff Palmer, who's a really good guy. He's been on some of the conservative shows, and he was supported. That's the one that they were trying to go meet with. And so he's there. Uh, he had a trailer, so he and his wife were living out of this trailer. And he continues to report and keep in touch with things, but he's not staying in Harney County anymore because it's just too dangerous over there. Um, okay, well... One morning at like 5.30 in the morning, an FBI SWAT team comes in and arrests him and his wife, and they seize everything he has, and they cart him off to, uh, to jail. I think at first Portland, but now he's down in Eugene. 
and uh, what in the world is going on? And so nothing is heard for a couple of days. And uh, finally, information comes out, and they say, what this is, we found him with a machine gun. And the Oregonian uh, newspaper does this big story, uh, very dramatic and scary, how this is the silverback gorilla of guns, and it's real scary and everything else. And uh, so he's going to go to jail. You can't, of course, there are no assault weapons legal in the U.S. unless you have a class, uh, you know, federal firearms license, which Mike didn't have. He he worked for people who did. Okay, uh, and but he didn't have one himself. So you're talking like 20 years here for having a full automatic machine gun. And away he goes, and he's in jail, and those are the charges he's facing. Uh, but it starts looking stranger and stranger because people are saying, well, where was, okay, the FBI came in, they arrested this guy. Um, was there a search warrant? And a day or so later, oh, yeah, 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 there was a search warrant. Okay, well, it was signed by a judge from over in Burns. And uh, they look at it and say, well, wait a minute, this is dated the same day, and you guys got him at 5.30 in the morning. So that judge must have gotten up awfully early. <laughs> okay, so what's going on here? Well, a little more goes on, and it turns out, well, the judge isn't a judge. He used to be a judge, but he's retired. So is it a legal search warrant? Well, the the drama in the paper, now machine gun, we won't talk about machine gun and everything else. Well, it turns out that, uh, in addition to these problems with the warrant, the machine gun wasn't a machine gun. Okay, the machine gun was a broken part from a machine gun, and that that's all he had. And it's perfectly legal to have a part of a machine gun. You can't have the whole weapon, but this was one that wasn't even functional. And uh, so it looked to me like this guy's going to be released. Well, the last thing that happened is a note comes out in one of my Facebook things, and, and it's from this fellow, Emery, says, I don't know what I'm going to do now because all those charges have gone away. There's no machine gun. I don't know about the warrant or not the warrant. But he's incarcerated, I believe, in Eugene, and, his no, and he's fired his lawyer now. Uh, and he's saying, I don't know what to do now. They had found some records from like 10 years ago, some incident in Idaho that was a nasty incident, that he was somehow there but never charged with anything. And they were supposed to be sealed records, but now they're unsealed, and they're going to go after him about that, and he doesn't have any legal representation. So that's the Mike Emery story. Uh, there's one more uh, just like that with a different reporter named Mike Strickland. It's a bad week for Mike's. And that's going to be in court uh, this week on the 5th. I can talk about that. That's a little bit faster to tell if we have time. Well, we're just about to run out of time. And then what All I want right, you to do well, is I want All you right. to go ahead and, and give people your uh, link to your website and everything so they can check out your blog. And you've got two websites. you got one on your books and and one on, on the blog, and so they can check it out and order books from you. And uh, it's been great talking to you, and this won't be your last time on the show. We're going to do this again real soon. But go ahead and get yep. that information. Right. Okay, thank you so much, and it's an honor being on your show. Uh, my For my novels, www.j 
John Trudell, J-O-H-N-T-R-U-D-E-L with one L dot com. That'll get you the information about the novels. For the information about Burns and everything else that's factual, it's just blog.johntrudell.com. And just search for Burns. It's one of the more recent posts on there. There is a lot more than we've discussed. I mean, I get into these things and some of the discussions when I've been doing book signings go on for hours. And I just collected a stream of information from lots of sources about Burns, and I felt compelled to do that. Feel free to sort through it. Feel free to share it. But all the things we talked about are somewhere on that big, massive blog post about who's to bless and who's to blame for Burns. And thank you. Take a look at my novels, and uh, thank you for having me, Michael. Good to talk to you, John, and we'll be we talk again soon. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening in today, and I look forward to talking to you again next week at this time. But please send out the word about this show because this is something that people need to hear. Email your friends. Give them the link to the show. It'll be archived in the next day or two, and they can listen to it anytime. Thanks again. Talk to you next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.